Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. We are traveling to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on this episode, and I'd like to introduce you to an amazing heart-centered leader. Her name is Bella Rushi. Bella is the founder of Symmetry Consulting, which is also based in Philadelphia. She is a graduate of the Integrated Marketing Communication Program at Northwestern University. She has her MBA, and she also has accreditations from Innovation 360. What I love about reading about Bella is that she uses data to spark great conversations with her clients and can offer 100% online service. Certainly speaks to our climate over the last year, what's been going on globally, and, and we are leading as a borderless nation now across all sectors. Bella has over 17 years of diverse experience with a growth mindset, excited to talk to her about that. And she likes to coin and feel that she brings a unique perspective to work across all business spectrums. So Bella, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Deb. It's really great to be here. Well, I'm thrilled and delighted to have you. And I certainly had fun doing my research about you. And I'm ready to ask some leadership questions and and dig into this. So if I'm ready, are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's get started. Thank you. I'm intrigued by the phrase that you use to describe yourself in your bio that you use data to spark great conversation. It's it's something that I align with you in that having this podcast, I love a great, meaningful conversation. So my leadership question is, Share with us how you use your heart-centered leadership to use the data to really create these great conversations to give your client the best experience possible. Sure, absolutely. So um, what we do is when we're doing like a company assessment um, and we're looking at, you know, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and how can we help them improve Um, in some of their challenges, we really ask them to take an organizational assessment. So what that really means is that the there's the divisions and the business units will come on line, basically take a survey, answer some questions, and we get a report. So we get a report, you know, on all their different factors of, you know, what they think of how strong their marketing is, supply chain, their operations, just questions about their customer insights, how they collect them, do they think it's strong enough? So basically like a holistic type of 360 assessment, you know, through uh, analysis that's done using this database by Innovation 360. And when we get that data and we look at it, we review it, 
we're able to really have that conversation with the clients. It, it, we can you know, start pinpointing their strengths and also some of their weaknesses and where they can improve. And you know, for example, customer insight is usually one that we find very common that maybe they don't do that enough or they don't do it at all. Um, and then we start asking them questions. Hey, you know, how do you guys collect customer insight? Do you look at the behaviors? Uh, do you know who your customers are? What are they doing? Um, how do you engage with them? So all these questions just on one, you know, one factor of, of uh, the, the information that the company would need to actually reach their audience, we can have these conversations using these reports uh, from an analytical database. So it's really interesting and it's a lot of fun and um, it really engages the client into the conversations and helps them understand, wow, these guys, you know, already have like a heads up on what's going on within our organization. And we have great conversations because of that. Well, it leads me to sneak in another question here because I know the listeners are probably wondering and thinking based on that answer. I think the data, data doesn't lie. It's, it's, it's a fun thing to collect data, to analyze data, but to act on it. I'm going to sneak in another question because I think it's it's so sound and just so warranted based on your uh, answer to my first question. Have you noticed a shift or a difference given the climate that we've experienced the last year with the pandemic? With uh, respect to collecting the data or what? I'm, I'm sorry. With collecting the data, but also some of the outcomes of the data that you've been able to analyze to, to then come back with kind of a systematic approach to what you're going to do. Have you seen a difference that you would say is relational or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Analyzing it back to COVID. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, there's more people that are struggling right now. Lots of companies are struggling, especially last year when the pandemic did hit. And we were able to collect a lot of data because a lot of companies wanted to reach out to us and, you know, needed help. And they wanted us to kind of help them with their challenges on their, you know, they're stuck in their product, they're struck uh, they're stuck in there building new services. What's the next step? How did they get out of this? Um, but in terms of having this online database, it really has made uh, an easy connection with the companies to, to keep the conversation going and even help them. And because all of our work is done online, you know, uh, and you, we have Zoom today, right? So we can do all of our interviews and really even verify the data and talk to them about it. But we have definitely seen an increase where companies are utilizing our services more because we can do everything online. And that, you know, we have seen with the data that there's just a lot of um, strengths that the companies do have and we have to remind them what they are. And then there's weaknesses in where they're unsure or they just have a misalignment in the company. And then we talk about okay, you know, how do you, how do they need to create more better alignment to actually, um, you know, produce the results that they're looking to produce? Well, absolutely. And it, it leads nicely into my next question that I give all my podcast guests. Share with us what imperfections that you feel you bring to your heart-centered leadership. 
Sure. So, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of everything. I, I, I used to kind of, you know, think of myself as a generalist when I was just working in so many different fields. Um, but with my background in regulatory and when marketing and uh, business management, as well as supply chain, I'm able to see lots of different, I'm, I'm able to have this fully unique perspective and then my training with innovation management. And I'm able to have this different perspective to be able to see, you know, you really have to take action and experiment to see if you're going to get the results that you want. And that's probably one of the biggest um, learnings that I've learned and that I teach my clients is that, you know, experimentation is key that when you're really looking at, say, market insights on your customers and, and you hire a company to do that market research, it's really just not that alone. You really have to have, you know, hands-on observation of are the customers, are, are they still doing this? Are they, you know, why are they doing it? What does the journey look like? Um, so it it's kind of interesting to see that um, that they need to they need to look a little deeper, and that I really help them look a little deeper into what they're trying to accomplish. But really, the key is looking at um, understanding the customer really well, and understanding that they're constantly changing, and that we may have digital data, we may have you know the traditional data where you have the market research, focus groups, things like that but really understanding your customer at their level and what's happening right now. Because as you can see, you know, even with the pandemic, the customers are evolving very quickly and they consume the products and services much differently than they used to. So it's very important to make sure that um, we, look at, we look at our customer and how you know, we have a deeper understanding of them. Well, and it's, it's that intrinsic value that you bring because it's one thing to look at data and we've had a lot of great conversations over the last almost a year on this podcast about artificial intelligence and its presence in the activities of our daily living. But we wouldn't have AI if we didn't have data. And we can't have data unless we have the people. So we're always going to be anchored in bringing that intrinsic value and, and honoring that connection with people, which really to me is, is the definition and foundation of heart-centered leadership. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I love it. Now, my last question for you is, is one of the proposed leadership topics that I know you like talking about. And I thought, given the work that you're doing and the amount of years that you've been doing it, and you have such a diversified experience, and again, you coin yourself with a growth mindset, which I love, why do some companies innovate so frequently, yet others don't? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And that's one of the things we see a lot. And I think um, a starting point is that they think we've seen, I've seen in um, working with clients that some of them believe that innovation is not even for them. It's really for those, you know, large companies like the Apple and Google and Amazon, but that's really not true. So one is there's a misunderstanding of what innovation is and who can do it. The second is that, you know, the ones that are trying to innovate or that are actually innovating, they're the ones who are creating a pipeline of ideas. So, you know, coming from a pharmaceutical background, um, 
you, we know that, you know, pharmaceutical companies always have a pipeline of drugs, right? What's going to come next? What are they working on? Because they know once, you know, the, the, the patent expires and they need to have some, you know, something um, lined up for them. But in, in um, with companies that, you know, they can actually develop ideas for the future also. They can actually start working on them today. So what we do here is we give an ideation workshop and we help them walk away with, you know, three ideas that they can walk away with and also help them walk away with ideas where that these are possible ideas, but they're not sure if they can use them right away. If, if they, you know, if they can, uh, you know, build a goal with that idea right away. So what do you do with these ideas that sound great, but they're not sure if they can use them. So that's when they start looking into what the next horizon might look like. So you, you do take, you know, the best of your possible ideas and you start working on them simultaneously as you're working on your projects right now. And you're always making sure that you're collecting customer data and seeing, you know, if any of these ideas are going to work and you're building, you're building goals and, and hypothesis for these ideas and to get them into a project, right? So that when you do have a project and now you, everyone can work on it and, you know, it can go to development phase and commercialization phase. But um, I think the missing link is really where they don't have a pipeline of ideas set up for them and, and they're not sure how to take, um, how to even select the best projects, which ones are gonna work. And I think that's what a lot of companies struggle with today. Well, and sometimes we just don't know what we don't know and getting that external resource to come in and help us. I think a lot of companies bring in an external consultant or business or coach or, or whatever the vocation may be, because that's where we see change. Because sometimes you're not getting the viewpoint or the assessment that you need when you use internal people. So it's such a powerful, powerful message. And I wanna sneak one more question in here just because of a couple of things that you mentioned. What kind of external factors can affect your business? And how can you help our listeners so that they can be ready? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, factors that can affect uh, a business, right? So, you know, you can have regulatory factors that affect a business. You can have, you know, if you're a global company, you have to worry about tariffs and things like that. Um, it, you know, healthcare, as we can see, you know, the pandemic, right? That affects all all um, hospitals and, and doctors on how they work and connect with their, you know, patients, right? So last year, you, we saw there was a huge rise in um, telemedicine, where telemedicine has been around for such a long time. And it's really been used in lots of different other countries, because, you know, people in rural areas couldn't get to the big cities to see the doctors. But in the US, telemedicine wasn't used as much and it's been around for such a long time. But last year when, you know, patients can't get to the hospital because it's not, it's not safe, you know, with the, the pandemic, all the doctor's office family, you know, family medicines started offering telemedicine, right? So they secure a portal where you can talk to your doctor and, and get information, even get the prescription that you need so that you can continue care. So these are the kind of, you know, really important things to um, think about that when external factors hit, 
you know, is your business or company prepared and do you have the right tools and, you know, the right resources so you can take action? And if not, what can you do to start working with it right away? But external factors will always come and, you know, go, but it's really when companies have uh, strengths within their capabilities, what differentiates them, that helps them actually, you know, progress through the, um, through uh, struggling, you know, when, when there's a pandemic or something like that. I think another great example I wanna share is actually Peloton. I think it was all over the news last year where, you know, Peloton's been out for a year. Everybody's renting those bikes and uh, I mean, they're buying the bikes, right? They have those online classes, but I think it was April or March, it was in the newspaper that their company sales just skyrocketed because, you know, people were home and you can't go to the gym anymore and you can't work out, what do you do? And, and they just started seeing a lot of people order these, you know, stationary bikes that, that come home and, and um, you can do online classes, on-demand classes. So that company already had something interesting, right? They already had something that was competitive to begin with and they had the capability to actually go online, right? To make sure that they can actually use their online services and really just help all the, all the people that really wanna work out, you know, with, with that services and that product. So they, they had, they were ready, you know, and um, they also had that advantage. But, you know, many companies didn't have that, right? Maybe they didn't have like a online um, platform. Like a, I know a lot of furniture companies last year um, weren't sure what they were going to do. So they actually started, you know, you know, building an e-commerce e platform so that they can actually connect with their consumers and say, look, these guys need an office desk. They need a nice chair, right? These are the kinds of things that consumers are buying right now. They're thinking about. Some of them are even renovating their homes. Um, so, you know, they took advantage of of, uh, of the online platform, and they actually quickly developed an online platform so they can still be connected with their customers. So it's just making sure that you have capabilities or you can adjust when things like when external factors do hit. Well, the other thing that comes to mind is, especially over the last year, and, and the Peloton example is a great story. And I mean, now they can't even keep up with production. So you buy a bike and you're not even sure when it's going to arrive with, with the yeah. delay in, in production. But I love the simplicity of the sentence, done is better than perfect. I think a lot of us have had time to pause and exhale and just have a look at everything and realize perfectionism has really taken a back seat and getting things done and looking at progression in a different light, I think has been a topic of conversation, especially over the last year and, and the lens that we've all had to, to kind of look through and, and navigate and like you said, you, you are collecting this data to spark these conversations and your offering is 100% online, which is all of us now. So it certainly has been a migration that has become not only a, a common sense element, but it's a common practice for all of us as entrepreneurs or executives or whatever sector, because we truly are borderless now. Yeah, no, absolutely, Deb, you're 100% right. I, I think, you know, 
slowing down to and reflecting, you know, to collect the, <laughs> the right information that you need so that you can actually get faster at innovation and actually growing your company. Um, but definitely trial, uh, testing out, you know, your ideas and having the right amount of experiments to make sure that your goals are aligned with what, who, you know, who you are, your, within what's your, your, your DNA of the company, what, with the, the, that's aligned with the strengths of your uh, capabilities, what differentiates you, and just really having a strong understanding of those and just you know, testing and reiterating until you actually get it right is, is, um, is the only way to go. I mean, that's how you know, some of the best companies out there are, are um, maintaining growth or even creating more growth and global expansion through that, taking action. Absolutely. I'm going to switch gears now and ask you my fab four, just four fun, rapid questions. We, we want to know what's on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. First question, what is something we don't know about Bella? Um, well, I, I love to work out. I am crazy about working out. I wasn't always like that. Uh, I actually started two years ago, but I work out seven days a week. I like to run a lot. And um, my goal is to do a marathon. Well, that's a good goal. Yeah. And being a busy entrepreneur, working out part of self-care, which is one of my heart-centered leadership qualities. So well done. <laughs> Second question, who is a leader that you look up to and aspire to be? Uh, well, I, I've, met, I've met quite a few over my time. Um, but right now, I'm actually working with the um, uh, CEO of uh, Innovation 360, Magnus Becker. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant uh, leader and a entrepreneur, and um, he has an amazing set of skill sets and uh, understanding of the whole innovation process, as well as um, you know, just managing life itself and 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 um, dealing with clients and understanding human nature. Well, I think it's important that we continue to have mentors and, and leaders that we look up to because leadership is all about continuing to grow and evolve as a lifelong learner and always aspire to be a little bit better than we were yesterday. So I love that. Second question or third question is if you could meet someone who's either presently living or may have passed away, who's someone who has been an influencer in your life that you would love to have a conversation and dinner with? Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I would have to say, um, I would have to say, I would, you know, I would love to meet, you know, Gandhiji, um, who's a freedom fighter for India and just really get into his mind of his thought process of not giving up and um, really aspiring to do the things that he did for our country. So I, I would love to have conversations with him about, you know, what his, how his vision started and how he maintained um, that fuel and focus to get, to get to what he wanted to get. And again, it's, you know, for me, I, uh, there's so many, I, 
I would have loved to have met and had dinner with Nelson Mandela. I think similar to you, you know, there's leaders that possess such a visceral level of, of grit and tenacity and, and that growth mindset of not giving up during challenging or, or hard times. And it's always interesting to me that our leadership qualities come from the combination of our upbringing, our own life experiences, our work experiences, our academic experience. Yet when we add all that together, we still have to have that growth mindset to be open to aspire to be more. And when we can look at leaders like the two we've just put forth, I think it keeps us curious. I think it keeps us humble. And I think it's that part of that drive, kind of like you wanting to run a marathon now, always striving to do something that causes us a little bit of fear. And I think that's where we grow. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're 100% right. Um, We have to do that. We have to have, you know, someone that we look up to and we have to have, you know, the focus to do it. But it's, it's easy as in human behavior to, you know, lose that focus or get distracted or, or, um, but as long as we understand that it's, it's okay to fail and keep moving on, uh, that, you know, we're going to succeed one day. So absolutely. My last question for you, Bella, is what would you like your legacy to be? Uh, So I, I would have to say, you know, to be a very good nurturing mom I would I would put that at the top of everything um to make sure that my kids know that I you know love them and that I always give them the attention that they always that they need um second would be to definitely to be a thought leader where I can really make an impact um not just in the community but globally um so that's something I aspire to do and um working my way in that direction Well, that sounds like a great goal and a great legacy to be working towards. And it seems like you are well on your way. I want to thank you for sharing your time and your experience and your expertise today on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Deb. It was really nice meeting you. We will be putting all of the contact details below for Bella and her company in the podcast episode description. And we we welcome your rating and your review. And as always, thank you for sharing your time and listening in to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. We will see you next time. This is Deb Crow.